You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, Here's a Quarter. And I brought a quarter. If you remember Travis Tritt's old song, you remember this song? Here's a quarter called Somebody Who Cares. If you watch the video, that's what he does. So here are the lyrics to this song. I can't read all of them. There's one word I will leave out. You say you were wrong to ever leave me. Now you're sorry, you're lonesome and scared. And you say you'd be happy if you could just come back home. Well, here's a quarter called Someone Who Cares. Call someone who'll listen and might give a maybe one of your assorted affairs, but don't come around here handing me none of your lies. Here's a quarter called someone who cares. Girl, I thought what we had could never turn bad, so your leaving caught me unaware, but the fact is you've run. Girl, that can't be undone. So here's a quarter called someone who cares. So before we get into this, on the first Sunday of October in 1997, 11 people, and then four of my family, my wife and two girls that we had at a time, and I will say this, without my wife, this would never have happened. Not a chance. We prayed about it. I went home one day, walked through the back gate, and said, we're starting a church. And I don't think I could do that again. I think I had one in me and that may be about it. But when your wife looks at you and says, okay, um, that's a big deal. And when you've come from a large church with staff and insurance and all these things and you're going to jump, we had no outside funding. It was those 11 people and here we are. So it's not possible. This church existing is not possible. There's too many things that have happened. There's been tens of thousands of people come through the door and leave, and that's mostly my fault. (laughs) But clearly God uses people, and you say, well, but God can't use me in some extraordinary way. Why don't you let him worry about that, right? You yield yourself. You be willing. You be available and see what happens. So I met a buddy of mine the other day, don't end up in these places a lot, but This friend of mine and a friend of his hadn't spoken in two years, and there needed to be some resolution. So this other friend couldn't meet till about 10.30, so I said, okay, let's meet out close to where we're going to meet, and he wanted to watch the ball game, so we found a sports bar and sat in a booth and watched the game together. And we had a waiter, and the waiter took care of us, and all of a sudden another girl showed up, and she had, I guess it was her right arm, a really clean, nice tattoo on her arm. So I said, wow, that's a really cool tat. She told me about it. And I said, have you ever seen a semicolon tat? And she said, I'm getting one. And a semicolon tat means that you've tried to commit suicide. But it's not a period. It's a semicolon. What's after that? She said, I've tried six times. And I said, well, you're apparently not very good at it. (laughs) 
Now, I understand you think I'm nuts saying stuff like that to people, but that's the way I broke the ice with her. And she had never had anyone crazy enough to say that. So the conversation unfolds. A priest had moved in across the street from her. She had this crazy life story and shared the gospel with her. She didn't become a Christian. Toward the end of the game, I had been watching for like two hours another waitress go back and forth from the bar. And she comes up to our table out of nowhere and says, hey, do you guys need anything? And I looked at her and I said, I've been watching you for two hours. And I said, something's wrong. I said, something's happened to you. What happened to you? She said, I got my second DWI yesterday. So I started talking to her. She's standing at the end of the table. I'm sitting in this booth. And I'm telling you, within six minutes, that 20-something-year-old girl standing at the end of the table prayed and became a Christian. All right? So... Why do I tell you these stories over and over? It's not to say, oh, look at me or what's going on. This is kind of what your life is supposed to look like. I hate to tell you, but if someone tells you, oh, you, you, know, you just become a Christian and then you just wait for Jesus to come. There's a whole lot of stuff goes on while you're waiting for Jesus to come. And these are the stories that I listen for. Because when I leave this planet, if I've left people behind who are making disciples and catching fish, catching men... I'm going to be okay. I hope you're one of those people. So let's go to some scripture here. Second Chronicles 7:14. Some of you know this by heart. If my people who are called by my name, that's me, that's us, I claim the name of Jesus, will humble themselves. And then it falls apart right there. Will I humble myself? Humble yourselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then he says... You do that, then I will hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and heal their land. America is not the promised land. You know, we are not God's, Americans are not God's chosen people. It's just a country where there happen to be some believers left. And I happen to think he could heal this place too. But if you want to end up with heal your land, you got to go all the way back up to the people who are called by his name, humble yourself, pray, seek his face, turn from your wicked ways, then he'll hear from heaven. So if you call out for God to change America, you better find your room with a mirror and say, okay, Lord, let's start right here. Will I do this? Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So does God hear the cry of an unrighteous person? Obviously the answer is yes or I couldn't have been saved, right? But listen, if you are going to call out to God for his help, but you don't need his son, he's probably not going to help unless it's going to lead to you claiming his son. So when you approach God, you say, Lord, you know, I need your help. And then Pretty quick, you're going to realize you may not have a relationship with him. Are you willing to engage in a relationship with a holy God? Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. I had two tickets, American Airlines tickets, that, but an expiration date came the other day. And so at about 8.30 on that expiration day, I was going to book some flights using these two tickets. So I called at 8.30, and five times it told me there was such a high volume 
of calls to please call back. That's never happened. Finally, I got in the queue. I'm waiting. I waited for an hour on hold. I waited for two hours on hold. I waited for three hours on hold. I waited for four hours on hold. I plugged my phone in by my bed. I went to bed with whatever that song was, same song. And about every 60 seconds, we're sorry, boom, 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 please stay on the line. I'm like, you know. So I lay there half asleep for nine hours and 37 minutes. I think I was asleep and I heard a voice. American Airlines, may I help you? I jumped out of bed like, where am I? What time is it? Grabbed the phone. I said, oh my gosh. I said, am I a winner? I think I've broken all the records. I've been on hold for nine hours and 37 minutes. When I hung up off that call, I had been on the phone for 10 hours straight. Now, why do I tell you this story? If I hung up because I called before the deadline, if I hung up, I probably would have lost hundreds of dollars worth of tickets. And I had so many times where I was going to hit that red little button on my phone and just say, forget about it. But I waited patiently and slept some of the time. (laughs) You say, well, that's crazy. You should have just given up. And do what? Well, you forfeit the money. No, I wasn't interested in that. So what are my options? We'll get another phone. We tried that too. See if we can get around it. That didn't work. Where are you going to take your requests? The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Waiting patiently implies that it took some time. So why doesn't God do what we tell him to do when we tell him to do it, right? I like first-time obedience. God, I'm not counting to three. I want an answer now. Now, why would he say wait? Because sometimes we need to wait. Be still. Wait. Verse one again, I waited patiently for the Lord He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. So you can either go God's way or turn aside to lies. It'll never work. Go to Psalm 51. David gets thrown under the bus for, it's not like it's a small thing. Affair with Bathsheba, Uriah's, her husband gets him killed. It's horrific. But even David has nowhere else to go but back to God. And he's confronted with his sin by the prophet and he acknowledges his sin and here's what he says to the chief musician of Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Verse one, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You say, well, God's not gonna, he's not gonna take me. If I call him, so to speak, he's not gonna take my call. He'll flip me a quarter. It's not what he does. If we confess our sins, what? He's willing to forgive us. Psalm 86. Let me do a quick survey. How many of you have committed a sin, confessed it, repeated the same sin and confessed it? And that has looped for a while in your life. Raise your hand. So it's everybody, right? So you know what the devil tells you? Dude, 
Are you nuts? You do your little sin, you go confess it, you do your little sin, you're just stuck in a hamster wheel. I got you, dude. You'll never change. And then you cry out to God and say, God, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to die this way. Now, one more survey. How many of you have experienced victory in an area and you escaped the hamster wheel because he granted you repentance and you were able to escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive to do his will? Raise your hand. That's a lot of hands. Psalm 86, verse 1. Bow down your ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I'll call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there's none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. This is not just somebody saying, oh, I got to write a, I did 85. Oh, I got to write something for 86. Let's see. I'll do something about crying out to God. This is inspired by God, a prayer of David. This is not just something he made up. This is who he is and where he is. And so like a Hallmark card, read scripture, Right? So you don't know what to say to your husband. You don't know what to say to your wife. So you go up and down these racks and you find cards. And you go, oh, that's how I feel. Sign your name and you hand it to her. You say, well, I could never have come up with that. That's what scripture is. And David said it and you showed him how to say it. And that's how I feel. I don't know how to tell you this, God, but that's how I feel. So you're praying scripture back to God. For you, Lord, are good, ready to forgive, abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Call upon him. The devil says he's not going to listen. He's not going to take your call anymore. It's too late. You've gone too far. Psalm 91, down to verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. But look where that little verse starts. Because he has set his love upon me. He knows my name. Do you know his name? But if somehow, miraculously, some kind of Jesus showed up just for us today and he walked out from behind the curtain and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he said, Richard. And I said, Jesus. And I ran and grabbed him and hugged him. Are you on a first-name basis with Jesus? Because he doesn't have a last name. So you can either be on a first-name basis with him or not at all. Now, sooner or later, if you have a relationship with him, here's what happens. And you're going back to a person, Jesus, and saying, Lord, what are we doing? I love you. And it's not just me screwing my life up. You own me. I'm yours. What are we doing? He's like, yeah, what are we doing, Richard? So help, Jesus, help. He goes, I am, but you've got to cooperate. It's not that he doesn't care. It's that we care sometimes more about us and our pleasure and our sin than we do even him. And we pick that. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. And then I encourage you to go read Isaiah 58. In Isaiah 58, I usually take people here when we're talking about fasting and praying. 
And if you go to Isaiah 58 in the context of a fast that he calls, down in verse 9, it says, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Wouldn't that be cool? You say, Hey, Jesus, like, here I am. That's what it says. (laughs) If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, and he goes on to explain, if you're a Christian, he's not far away at all. He is inside you, right? Now, this is what really freaks people out. If you're a Christian and you sleep with a, I was going to say whore, but I don't know if you can say that. So you go hook up with whoever it is, man, woman, whatever you're doing. You can't go to your destination and then look in the back seat and say, Lord, I know it's going to be hard, but I'll be right back. He's like, I ain't staying in the car. I'm not in the car. I'm in you. So if you're going in there and do a full thing, you're taking me in your body and now I'm going to have to do this with you. This is why people like churches being the place where God lives. They don't want church to be a people. They want it to be a place because that means you can go visit the old man when you want to. Be really quiet. We don't want to wake God up. He's in the house of the Lord. This ain't no house of the Lord. I am the house of the Lord. You're clapping about it, but is that the way I'm living my life? Oh, well, maybe if I do this in the dark, he doesn't have night vision. And that's just him. Now you got all this security detail of angels going, here he goes again, man. Man, He thinks we can't see him, right? So all these sins we're committing, from the inside, he's in there, angels around you, the whole spiritual world's watching. But you think you're doing something in secret. Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. And you say, well, what does it mean God can't hear me? Of course he can hear you. He's not going to respond. Jeremiah 29, go up to verse 8 here. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in, the midst, in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which cause you to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. You'll call upon me, tells him. Go and pray to me. I'll listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. All your heart. Luke 15. I always end up in Luke 15. If you've listened to me long enough, it's either John 10, 10 or Luke 15. So here's a classic story. A kid screws up. Dad, tired of waiting for you to die. I want my money. And the father executes the will. The younger boy takes his money and goes off and wastes it. And when he's out there and realizes, I got to go home. I can't stay here. I can't do this. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to despair? I perish with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father and will say to him. Now, this is all he could get out. Father, is rehearsing it. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. In other words, I know that if I go home, my dad will at least hire me. Now you say, well, that's good. He knew he could go home and get hired. You got to know that you could go home and still be his son. So he's not in a great place. 
but he really doesn't understand who his father is. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said to him, so the second dad's got him, kissing on him, he starts his spiel, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's as far as he got. The rest of it was, make me like one of your hired servants. And the dad cut him off. The father said to the servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now this may sound a little crazy, but if you lose your mind and deliberately turn your back on God as a Christian, you need to know in your head, even if I go out here and do a fool thing, I know I am his child. I know that if I go as far as I go, nothing can separate me from his love. He will take me back, not as a hired servant, but as his son. You say, well, why do you think it's important to know that before you do a fool thing? Because it'll keep you from doing a fool thing. Because you'll say to yourself, then why am I leaving this? If this is who I am and who he is, why would I leave this anyway? We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Acts chapter 2, Peter here preaching. The church is born. Quotes Joel 2.32 down in verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That little girl in that restaurant through the day. She kind of hesitated. She was locked in. She knew she was in trouble, shared the gospel. It's very simple. I said, do you want to do this? And she said, maybe. And then what I've asked people recently is this. What is it that you have, you have possession of, that if God said, I'll trade you that for eternal life and all of your sins being forgiven, and your thought is, no, I'll keep what I got. And I said, is there anything that you would rather keep then have what he's offering. And she said, no. And she prayed. You got nothing worth keeping that's bigger than him. And the book says, Romans chapter 10, verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I talked to another guy just the other day, and it was at a funeral, actually, and he knew the guy that had died. We all know the guy that had died. And he came up, and I could see that look in his eyes and talked to him for a minute. I said, so you're thinking about something? He said, yeah. I said, you understand that God loves you, Jesus, you know, all that? He said, yeah, I kind of grew up with that. I said, if you died, where would you go? He said, oh, you know, I hope I'd go. The dude, hoping they ain't going to get you there. And I said, would you be interested in becoming a Christian? And he said, well, no, I just don't want to do it under pressure. I said, dude, I'm not pressuring you. I just said, you're just a time bomb. I said, you walk out this door and you die, it's over. And he said, I know, you know, you're just really nervous. What, what is that? He's just under attack. The devil's trying to kill you. He didn't want you to say yes to Jesus because then he loses you. 
So I said to him, I said, look, you don't have to be here with me to do it, but you need to call on him pretty quick. You call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. I get this repeatedly. You can't meet a girl in a restaurant and five minutes later she's a Christian. It can't be that easy. And what do I always tell you? Easy for who? I walk in a restaurant, sit down, eat my food, and offer some girl eternal life in Jesus' name. She's either going to take it or leave it. But it wasn't easy for that gift to be made possible. How did that gift get possible? God's got to agree to send his son down here. The son's got to agree to come down here for me. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't even die for me. I couldn't save me. Dying for me wouldn't save me. I need somebody else. So he comes down here, dies on a cross, shed his blood, buried, raised from the dead, and says, okay, package deal, paid for. Would you be interested? Same thing I did, little bitty kid. I accept. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. If you're looking to call someone who cares, call Jesus. Turns out it's a free call, and he makes all the difference. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.